Holy shit, we live again. <laughs> Welcome yeah. to Grassroots. Three hours after we finished the last one, we're still talking shit. All right. Greg uh, Patrick Ward. Bernsey, the floor is yours. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> right then, so welcome to the Zero Pro Three Slow Podcast. Is, is this the R-rated version? This is where we can go blue? <laughs> yeah, 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 blue as. Um, yeah, how did how, how did your, of course, you also kill a ghost, Scotty, in the buggy, in the dress. Tell us tell us all about it. It was pretty f***ing wild. I've never had a buggy up on two wheels as much as I did that weekend. <laughs> Well, welcome back to the Hard Enduro channel. I'm going to sit down and talk about the aftermath that was the Kosciuszko Killer with Craig Burnsy Roberts and also Scotty Chapman. Thanks for joining us again today, fellas, once again. No worries, mate. It's glad to be here. Hopefully we're going to have a bit of fun. Enjoy doing these. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, good to see you, boys. Looking forward to a good podcast. Let's go. You all settled down and recovered from the event? Yeah, mate, I'm, I'm sweet as. Um, I don't know how many people out there know it, but I was carrying a workplace injury for the event, so my um, track management duties were very hindered by that. So straight up, I've got to just thank a few people. Because um, the event couldn't have really went ahead without these people helping and taking the load off me. Um, Chad from Chad's Off-Road, he um, lends us a buggy every every race to use as a medical buggy. And without that, um, I, I couldn't have done anything because generally I do all my work on a two-wheel bike, a two-wheeler to get around the property as quick as I can. So I sort of commandeered the buggy and used that, and it was the greatest asset to us that weekend. And um, my young fella, 10-year-old Cooper, he came down and um, he was basically my left-hand man. He, he done all the bunting the arrows, everything that I would normally do. He um, rode around with me. I'd just tell him what tree to do it to. And um, without him, the, the race couldn't have even got off the ground. So straight up, I'm thinking uh, those two guys. And uh, Benny, one of my mates, Benny, come down and he got involved. He, he had to leave before the race, but he got involved and helped the track set up. So without him, um, the, most of the prologue uh, was done. So without him, he couldn't have, we couldn't have kicked off the prologue. And then uh, Nick Stenia, he's one of the locals to me as well. He came down and he took over the um, the sweep management duties. So he sort of kicked off there and, and got the sweeps moving around. So that was good of him. He was a bit stressed by it, but he kicked off and um, took it. You know, he's, he's watched me do it a couple of times now, so he went really good on that. And Ross, he's a regular sweep that comes and helps us, and he was astronomical with um, what he was doing. His track knowledge has been there a few times now, so – Without those people that I've named, the race just could not have went ahead. And um, just sweeps in general, all the guys that showed up and got involved, those guys were awesome. And um, they, everybody just had a go. And they knew that I, I was injured and couldn't do anything, so they just took over. And, yeah, big thank you to everybody that, that helped out. Yeah, mate, I have to echo that, that, those sentiments as well. Um, without all those guys and also including your son pitching in, uh, like you said, it just wouldn't have happened. So, yeah, thanks very much to everybody who did pitch in and, and make it all happen. And um, Ross Byers, he came down with his wife and they, they've, they've got about 400,000 kids. Um, so for them to come down and, and uh, you know, ha ha look after the kids and help out with us, it's, it's an amazing effort. And also to all the sweeps, um, we had sweeps come down from as far as the Sunshine Coast. So they, they, a whole heap of them travel from all over, from interstate to, to come down and help us out. So amazing effort. 
And, and I think the word's getting out on how much of a good time it is to, to be out there and watching the races and in, being involved and, and feeling like you're part of a really well-knit crew now. Like, a lot mm. of these guys are showing up regularly, and, and it's really good to have that. It's, it's, you can start putting trust in them. No, exactly. And like you say, they get, they get the best seat in the house, and they probably get the best ride in the house as well. While we're doing this, and I sort of want to separate him from the rest, is the biggest thank, thanks you ought to give out is actually to Ryan. Um, Ryan generally is is super keen to race, and he gets really involved in it. Um, he he took off the racing side of it and went into the the sweep side of it and rode around on the um, Sunday. And having a guy with that much expertise, talent, and ability to, to do that um, took a lot of stress off me. Um, he walks pretty much the whole track the weeks leading up to the race and then to go out and sacrifice his his you know love to race just to make sure that the, the guys on the track are, are you know shadowed by somebody that's um there for their reasons only you know big big thank you to ryan it, it took a lot of stress off me knowing that he he took that um that on on board and done that for me so thanks heaps mate uh, it was a great effort that you done for me yeah, you, you, you're spot on, Scotty. For those who don't know, um, Scott's talking about Ryan Peterson. He helps us cut the tracks. He's part of the grassroots crew. So, same deal, mate. I'll, I'll stressed out. Always, I'm always stressed out at the events. Uh, for him to step up to the plate and, and chip in and do that, put my mind at rest because no one knows a property better than Ryan. Um, and he's obviously his skills to he can ride all the tracks, gold, silver, and bronze. So his skills there obviously help out. It's and he's buggered to be honest. Ryan's buggered before the race even starts because, as you know, we get down there generally four or five days before the event, so he's riding for four or five days before the event even kicks off. So to to race or sweep is is a, is a big task. So yeah, I'd like to thank him for that. Also, Craig, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, just just recovering, just recovering slowly. It's taking a couple of weeks. I'm getting pretty old now. Um, I definitely woke up pretty sore on the sun uh, on the Monday morning. Anyway, I had to come back, but yeah, it was a good weekend. Done a bit of helping with you guys, a uh, bit of videoing, a bit of sweeping for the juniors, and then a bit of racing in between. So, so Craig gets a big notion in the thank you uh, list as well because uh, a lot of people don't know we um, run maps of every property that we use, and we use Craig to do that. He he does a lap of the property with his GPS and then uploads all that data, puts it on paper, and then we laminate it and hand it out so that our um, volunteers have got some type of knowledge if they've never been to the property. So he's a mad asset to have as well. It's uh, a skill that I suppose is beyond me and Greg at the moment. We can't really find the time and the patience to do that stuff. So for him to do that for us is awesome. It's big thank you for doing that for us, Greg. Yeah, no worries. No, it's, um, yeah, look, we've all got – no, I don't think any of us have got – just big titles, is it? Every one of us does small bits and pieces around it, and each of us has got his own job. And I don't know, it's sort of like it wasn't planned this way, eh, Greg? It just sort of fell into place, I guess. It's just evolved that way, mate. It's funny because um, I have so many people who send me messages and email and call, and they say, look, thanks very much for it all. And to be honest, it, it feels a bit strange because I, I guess in the public eye sort of thing, I, I'm probably at the forefront of it, but. Yeah, it's as you guys know, it takes a huge turn to make these things come off. So, you know, when when people ring up and thank me for it, you know, it's it's thinking the whole term, and that's the way I look at it. Because without everybody else involved, um, nothing would happen at all. So, anyway, that's the way it goes. Um, yeah, look, so all sweeps and all the volunteers, and obviously you guys uh, put a huge effort in, and uh, makes it all happen. 
for all the riders. And yeah, look, leading up to the race, it was um, Wednesday. I think they were predicting a dry track, and Thursday things started to swing around pretty quickly. Yeah, what was it? Like forty mil of rain forecast on the Thursday, and up up until that point, there was nothing. No, no, no rain forecast. You put the you put the uh, Facebook post out saying get your dry tires ready, get your second air filters ready, because you know that's what, what what they said. And then all of a sudden, starting to trickle down on uh, Prologue Day. It's dry for bronze, half and half for silver, proper wet for gold, and then it pretty much did not stop. I packed up in the rain at the end of the Sunday. So yeah, it was definitely a wet race. The week leading up, we get down there about Tuesday-ish, and um, Tuesday was a blistering hot day. The sun was out. Guys were going down and having a dip in the river to cool off in between, you know, track uh, duties and so on. Um, and then the wind came. We, we were getting beaten around by the wind. Guys were trying to set up marquees. One young fellow lost his marquee, took off down the paddock, and you could just feel the change coming over. And we had... Um, uh, dinner one night at the pub and a couple of local, locals, the barman at the pub, he, he straight up said to us tomorrow, it's going to rain. He told us what exactly what time it was going to rain and how it was going to rain and he was pretty much spot on. And uh, I remember leaving the pub going, yeah, what would this guy know? How would he know exactly what's going to happen? And, yeah, the locals knew. They knew what we're in for. Um, it was bizarre. You look at the weather forecast and they tell you, you you're up for a great weekend and then you just – watch the weather forecast change every hour and you're like, what's going on? Um, and I remember having a chat with Greg uh, probably two years ago at a race going, what are we going to do when we have a, a wet race? We've had some pretty good um, weather. We've been blessed. What are we going to do? And he goes, I don't know. We just have to deal with it as that one comes. And I suppose now we know. Um, it was a good lesson. We've learned some things. What obstacles you can leave in a track, what, what you got to take out. Being being on the track too, and and watching what the riders are going through was pretty um, important to us. So I was actually out there in some of the hardest sections of the track, just watching what the gold riders were going through. And we had radio comms going, talking about what we should do. And um, I suppose if you weren't out there actually witnessing what those guys are putting up with, you couldn't have made the call that we did to drop the gold lap and put them back to silver on the second lap. No, spot on, mate. It looks setting up for the event. Two years in a row down there, I've put banners up, and they've all been ripped down by the winds. It's it's just been bizarre. This year, I actually invested quite a bit of money into um, some cr- crowd control fencing, which is obviously going to act as crowd control as a barrier to keep people away from the prologue track and, and make sure it's safe. And I was going to have a whole lot of banners all put on there. But the wind was blowing that down. Uh, we couldn't get stakes into the ground because there's so many rocks there, but it got up to 80 kilometres an hour on Saturday night. So, unfortunately, I, I couldn't get all the advertising banners up and only had flags up. But um, anyway, it, it is what it is. And like you said, Scotty, um, yeah, look, we, we cut out the gold track for the second lap. Uh, there's only four gold riders who went out for a second lap. And when they came in, I said to them, just follow the silver lap for uh, for, your, for your lap that you're about to go out on because the gold just became impossible with all the rain we had. So, I think it was a good call um, by the guys out there who were out there looking at it. It was a tough call too because I knew where the top, we'll say eight-ish, eight um, guys were in the field. They were sort of all in the one um, valley and it was starting to actually have a waterfall flow down that obstacle that they were trying to get up. It's called Long Drop. It's a series of boulders that they've got to get their bikes up and through. And it, the first probably four guys got through unassisted. 
then after that they started to uh, help each other. They were ganging up in groups of two and three to get through. And um, it was sort of still knowing there's another 10 or 15 guys behind that group that haven't actually got there yet and speaking to the uh, um, the checkpoint guys that have got radios and finding out where those guys were. I knew it was going to be a tough call to make knowing that when the lower pack of gold get here, it's probably going to be unrideable and they're going to they're gonna suffer. And I think the results sort of show we got maybe eight DNFs and I, I reckon that that was where they all got caught out. And um, if we put um, the gold back through there on the second lap, the, the top four guys would still be out there trying to get their bikes through that section. So um, the call made to put them on silver um, was made with that knowledge of being out there and watching it unfold. And I feel bad about the guys that we did make to do it. Um, but, you know, it's, we've still got to be fair and give everybody the same track. But, yeah, that's was the decision that was made. It was tough to do it, but I think it was the right one. No, I think you're right, mate. And for those that don't know, um, Chris Perry won. Anthony Solar came second. Ruben Chagwick came third, followed by <laughs> Wade Ibrahim. Um, and Wade took it out last year. He won last year. And then Adam Giles came in on fifth place. And we had, what have we got here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, you're right. Eight people who DNF'd in gold. Uh, we had 19 finishes. If you look at the, the lap times there, Chris has a, a 228 for his first lap and um wade has a, a 306 so he's a good half and 35 minutes behind um chris in his first lap but on their second lap uh chris come through with a 217 and wade come through for 158 it's the second fastest lap of the whole race um wade did actually miss the track he he, he told me that he came through a gate and there was a group of uh silver riders gathered to you know get their breath and they were standing in front of the the direction arrow, and he just continued straight ahead. Um, realised that he had overshot the track, came back around, and then got onto that section. So he did do himself an injustice there for that half an hour, and unfortunately, um, it, it lost him a, a podium position. But I'd really be interested to see what the result would have been if Wade didn't make that mistake. And I'm sure he kicked himself for doing it, but. Um, yeah, I, I think those top three guys would have got shuffled around a bit if Wade didn't have that mistake because he was pretty strong. Craig, um, you came all the way down from Brisbane. You got your bike shipped down, did you? Or Yeah, yeah, got my bike shipped down with uh, Sean Cosman, the trucky there, working with grassroots. Uh, that was all pretty smooth. Uh, loaded it up like uh, five minutes from my house and then I think I gave it to him on the, on the Wednesday morning at about 8 o'clock. And I got down to the track at Thursday night, and he was there at 5 o'clock. Yeah, from okay. Br- from Brisbane to Kosciuszko in, like, a day and a half. <clears throat> so he done well, and then he was ready for me then on the Friday morning to go out and do the GPS in and stuff. So, yeah, that was good. Worked out nicely. Yeah. How, how did your race go, mate? Oh, well... The cause you also killer that, that that is the epitome like of hard endure. It was a slog, you know, from start to finish. It was enjoyable at the end on reflection. So just back on um, the the truck driver Sean, he actually had to turn around due to the floods and go out west to get down there in time. So um, he got down there in the middle of the night and he pulled a 
uh, a B double. So he had all the bikes on the A trailer, and then he had a container on the B trailer. He had all the the riding gear in, and he actually got stuck coming into the property. He had to dislodge his B trailer. He got in, unloaded the bikes, left the A trailer there, went back out, pulled the B trailer in, and then rejoined him. So there actually for a couple of hours to do it all. And he actually lifts the bikes off by hand. He car- he carries them off the trailer. The guy's an absolute beast. It was unbelievable to watch. Yeah, he was a bit disappointed that he had to put him on the trailer, actually, because, you know, <clears throat> I don't know if you want to talk about it. He's, Greg, you probably spoke over before, but he's got that um, container. It's all mm-hmm. signed up, and you can fit, like, 38 bikes in there, but he needs to justify it, and, and uh, seven bikes from Brizzy to uh, to Kosciuszko didn't justify it, unfortunately. But hopefully for the Mount Morgan one, it will, and they'll be all inside the container, which is like a mini workshop with tables and tools and everything in there when we get there yeah he's got it he's got it set up beautifully but that's right mate i mean sean's got the he's got a mortgage to pay and a truck to pay off and <clears throat> excuse me and a couple of young kids to look after as well so yeah unfortunately we've only seven bikes come out of brisbane he needed to organize it so he could have a backload to at least cover the costs of that that all he knew he was going to be stuck on a sunday he knew what the weather was like and he knew the conditions of the property so he didn't come in his truck on the sunday he actually brought in a full drive with a car trailer on it loaded all the bikes on the car trailer got him off the property, then got his truck and reloaded him back onto his truck. Where, where some companies would have just said, that's your problem, you deal with it. We'll pick the bikes up from a hard ground. He took it on as his problem and he dealt with it. And that's what you want in a transport company. So uh, Exactly right, Scott. He, he's very, very passionate about it. He want, really wants to make this work and he's prepared to travel all over Australia and, and you know, grow as we grow, which is absolutely fantastic. So yeah, we're happy to work. And, that, and that's uh, Costum and Transport. If anybody's not going to have anything hauled, um, give Costum and Transport a look up and, and get in contact with them. So, Craig, uh, you're back to your racing, mate. You, you are, you, your first DNF in Australia? Yeah, so the, the prologue, you know, we talk about the prologue course here. That was well set up by um, by Tom and you guys, I guess. It made, they made it a lot faster than last year. The, the hits were a lot um, less harsher, you know, so you could jump some of the obstacles. Uh, that log matrix, though, just got everyone, and including me, and I was just stuck in there for ages on the on the prologue. See some of the when the, even when the gold guys came through, you saw them struggling on it. it didn't make me feel too too bad on myself, but um, yeah. yeah, I got stuck in stuck in the well, log d- matrix and just just pull you up for the second here, Craig. Um- on the yeah. log matrix, you've actually posted a video to YouTube with you riding through that log matrix, and then it actually has you come out of the log matrix, and then the video cuts. Is that because you cheated? No, it's because I took half an hour to get through the log matrix. I didn't think people would want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> just, just you know, I'll, you got to ask the big questions here, Craig. Um, you know, we don't, we don't want to uh, accuse anybody, but when the video actually shows you leave the matrix, and then all of a sudden you appear in the next obstacle. Um, yeah. Well, uh, well, under the sub reg, Scotty, I'm actually going to request that he submits the uh, raw footage for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that um, SD card's now lost, Greg. It went for the wash. <laughs> yeah, 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 amazing. <laughs> but no, it was a good. It was a good um, prologue track. Every obstacle was was definitely doable. Oh, we took the tires out. That was right because they they got a bit hectic for the bronze guys, didn't they? So we didn't do the uphill tires. Well, uh, there's a famous. There's a famous video that's surfaced and it's been replayed from many angles of um, a young kid going over the handlebars into what they're calling the scorpion. Um, if anybody doesn't actually know, that's the owner of the property. So that's young Charlie Liedma, and he's come into those 
first tyres and he's completely missed the tyres and gone into a gap between them. Um, only a young, fit lad could pull off that move and get up and go, I'm good, get me bike out and let's move. Um, yeah, I'm sure any of us guys him. would. I've renamed him Charlie Lebronsky, the, the famous Russian gymnast oh. after that move. I can't believe he didn't break his neck. But um, it didn't even slow him down. He got his bike out, kept going. He finished his lap. So uh, it was great to see. I, I love watching these young kids and they just bounce back and keep going. So Yeah, no, he's, he's done well. And he was, he was up there filming the Gold Riders then after that for his YouTube channel. Yeah, he runs his own channel. Uh, what's his? Enduro. Enduro Oz. Enduro Oz. He's, he's got a few yeah. little snippets on there. Some are comedy. Some are just out trail riding. Um, whenever we do our races on his property, he gets involved and makes a little video for them as well. So yeah, it's good to watch his ones. Yeah, if anybody wants to look him up, that's just Enduro and it's Oz OZ. Check it out. He's, he's got some good footage on there. And yeah, look, my, my heart went in my mouth when I saw him do that scorpion. I'm going to claim that as the world's best scorpion. It was, it was, he was almost bent backwards in a complete circle. It was incredible. Yeah, and his head caught the tire like as he landed, which made it like way worse. It did. Well, it was crazy. It it did actually. Um. You know, I was actually standing right next to it when it happened and it made me put the decision out to, to take the tyres out and I don't think anybody complained about it. And, um, you know, obviously for the bronze it was the right decision. I am denied about uh, putting them back in for the, the silvers and the golds and I walked through their pits as I wore staging up to go out and I was doing the old thumbs up, thumbs down and it was 50-50 and I thought, you know what, it's, it's just not worth the, the, um, the hassles if we do have an injury in there. And to watch... 30, 40 bikes all stuck in the one obstacle would just be horrendous. So, yeah, yeah. I took them out, took them out for the, the, um, the silvers and the golds as well, and I, I think the boys were quite happy that I did do that for them. So. Yeah, I think the trouble is that people were looking at them, and obviously they were slippery, so they've gone, well, I need to hit this with a bit more speed, and then that's what was causing like the, um, the carnage. Mm, yeah, because once they got wet, you could even see the tyres that are flat on the ground. Once they got wet, the bikes were just slipping and you'd have zero control over where they went but at least they weren't on a uh, you know, side of a hill where you needed the traction to get from them from your point of view craig at the prologue track what was the hardest obstacle in there oh the, the first log matrix by by a country mile um there was you know it just i think it was probably okay at the beginning but then the the perfect line on the left and the perfect line on the right just had the big hole in there before you got to it and you needed to jump it, and then I, I saw Ruben jump it, and he came off. I saw Booth jump it, and he came off as well. Um, it was just it was hard for everyone, I think, by the end of it. Yeah, I think it was. You know, watching every rider go through it, uh, I think it was really difficult. And obviously, I mean, they were wet, but they're not only wet. Once those tyres dug the ground up a little bit, then had a little bit of red clay over them as well. So it was just, yeah, like, like uh, buttered glass. Yeah, but the rest was really good. The wall was epic. Um, that that was that was really cool. It wasn't that difficult, but it looked awesome. You know, going up there, I had a great feeling about it. Um, didn't feel dangerous coming down the other side either. A couple of boys came off, I think, going up there. I saw on some of Enduro's videos, but the rest of the prologue track was good. There was enough. There was enough hills in there and logs and stuff to uh, keep people entertained. Finish off with the grass track and over the angled logs. I think it was a good hard enduro. Prologue. Yeah it, worked, yeah, it worked out well. You, you did well there, Scotty, and also Ben, who helped us out. 
Yeah, so the, the hill climb, I don't, I don't really know if we could. Yeah, we had a big name for it called the Big Hickey Hill Climb. Um, so it was a bit of spectacularity up there. A um, bit of a crowd was starting to gather around it of riders that couldn't get up it, um, people that had finished their session and went up there to watch. And um, I felt it was the perfect hill climb for a prologue. Um, wide enough to get around anybody if they did get stuck in front of you. But not super steep. It's not, you know, it's not a um, uh, fern tree. What is that other one we got? Fern fig tree. It's not a fig tree style hill climb where you 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 got to drag your bike up there. So it was awesome watching the guys. They sit right up on the fuel cap, open the the gas up, and just hold it wide open and um, get to the top. And then you got the guys that get off the throttle, let the bike slow down, and then they zigzag all the way up. So it was great fun watching that. Yeah, it was good. The only thing that made that hill better, if it was at the prologue track, you know, if it was closer to the um, all the the, the uh, campsite or whatever for the spectators, because I was a crowd pleaser. That I was watching them boys got their full noise. Yeah, it was awesome um, watching uh, listen, the sound. The, the bike, those three hundreds when they're on the absolute top of the pipe and they're held wide open. It's an awesome sound, and then it echoes around in the valley. So yeah, it was good fun. Talking about prologue. I don't. I don't normally like to to build riders up because I don't want them to feel pressured, particularly Vera Junior. But I actually have spoken with his parents about this, and uh, they they don't mind if I do mention him. But young Kogan Locke, he absolutely smashed it. Now Kogan is fifteen years old, and he rode in Junior A class, which may, which means he rides with the seniors on the bronze track. And the bronze track's no laughing matter, as you know. It's still a pretty serious track. Well, Kogan prologued the fastest out of all the bronze riders at 15 years old. He, in fact, he absolutely smashed everybody. It was incredible. So, wasn't it? He he qualified first in bronze. He would have qualified first in silver by a good mile as well, good 10 seconds or something. And he would have actually come six in gold. So I purposely make the prologue track uh, doable by all the categories so we can sort of grade people that should be in the right category. But to see a fifteen-year-old kid do a lap time that 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 um, convincingly fast is amazing. I'm really, really excited about watching him ride, and I got to move around the track and watch him in different sections. And the, the kid is just riding well beyond um, a kid of his age, and with maturity as well. Where he puts the bike through obstacles, where he hits it, hill climbs. Uh, just really excited to watch that kid ride. I, I just yeah. I love watching the juniors come through, and then when you watch Kogan, it's it's awesome. He doesn't just twist that thriller. He's not just a fast rider. He's a really intelligent rider. The, the, the way he handles the obstacles, uh, he's, he's, he's very, very skilled. He's a thinking rider, which is I, I love watching him ride. I love seeing him you know, get these successes, and you know, he, he came in, and he was the first rider in out of all the riders on the track on the Sunday. Um, so he beat every senior back into the into the field, and um, yeah, and obviously he took out uh, junior A's and uh, won the you know, beat all the bronze riders as well. So he won't beat all seniors in bronze. Just absolutely so incredible. He, his first lap we, before the track got really blown out wet was an hour nineteen. The first um, bronze rider to come in was around uh, one twenty two. So he didn't uh, uh, like he he got it. He got him really convincingly. He wasn't slacking it out there. Um, but the winner of bronze, he got in two really good laps. So 
he would have actually come second outright in bronze. So these grown men probably have a little bit more um, long-term endurance in them where a young kid do seem to burn out. That's that's awesome to watch those type of times. Yeah, yeah absolutely, mate. And you look at his fastest lap time, Kogan got 119.28, and compared to the seniors, um, Jason Simpson, who took out bronze for the seniors, got 119.59 as the fastest lap. So, that, yeah, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, I can't. I, I did. I knew about the bronze prologue times then, but I didn't know his matchup against the silver and gold prologue times. That's insane. I mean, he's got the, obviously he's got the parents for it, but the main thing, the reason why he goes that fast is that hairstyle. There's no doubt about it. If he cuts that off, he's going to be terrible. So never cut that hair, buddy. Just keep it going. Get there it must be something. You're gonna there must it. be something about the mullet because quite a lot of the juniors are now running the mullet, and it, it is a bit of a standout feature. So. Um, I don't know. You reckon? What did we get? We get called the skullet. I haven't got enough left going at top. So, oh, when I was, um, I, I was, you know, putting the GoPro across the juniors there when they were going out, and there, there was two brothers there, like one had a mullet, I think one didn't, and yeah, I was like, oh, is, is the mullet going to win? And he's like, yeah, my party out the back, business at the front. <laughs> he was loving it. <laughs> well, let's stay on those lads because, um, yeah, there was a bit of a G up for them before the race, and. Um, we worked out that there were brothers. Now, I, I, you know, I'd like to see brotherly love and get a bit of a tiff going between them. And uh, I asked them who was going to win, and you know, they were quite adamant that they were both going to take out the the other rider and so on. Um, throughout the junior B race, I, I made sure I was out on a part of the track in case there was an issue. And um, I had a couple of sweeps standing on what was called the the part of the track called the coupe, and they witnessed that. One of the those brothers got up that section quite easy, and he, he could have cleared it and kept going. Well, his brother actually got stuck, so he parked his bike up, walked back down the track, and pulled his brother bi- brother's bike up the track. So as much tiff there was before the race, once the race started, they, mm-hmm. they didn't leave each other's side. So when you go through the results, they, they came over the line together in 13th and 14th with the exact same time. So they – um yeah – they they stay together those lads they race together. No, I just saying that's a, I didn't know about that story. That's a great story. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's Kai and Ari. And as you say, thirteenth and fourteenth. And uh, look, lap one they well one of them came in or sorry Kai came in at one fifty three, and uh, Ari came in one second after him at one fifty two. Right, riding together and helping each other out. That's awesome. I don't know if you guys saw the the little snippet clip I put up of. Um, uh, who's rider one, two, three, junior? Um, the junior finishes, you mean? Yeah, uh, one, uh, Reese, Reese Finlay, he, he won the junior B class, followed by Riley Bloom and then Kobe Lewin. No, no, sorry, no, not not first, second, or third, but rider number one, two, three. Oh, uh, sorry. One, oh, rider number one, two, three. Give me a Lane. second. Oh, Lane Clipple. Yeah, that's him, yeah. So I put a little video up of him trying this bank like three times and like the third time or whatever, he sent it up there and he just didn't give up, you know, just kept resetting his bike for him and, uh, yeah, they just never give up these kids. And, and then, I, and I, I couldn't even get up there. <laughs> he's on a husky, He's on a little Husky 85. Yeah, no. <laughs> so I, I turned what, around, I gave up, I couldn't get up there. I went back the other way. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, what the point? Of that is, is um, there was a little gully that they rode down in prologue. Well, I put the bike straight back up it, and it was a probably little three foot step up to get out of that gully. And you see in uh, Burns' video, he can't get out of it on his big 300. 
and this little 85 comes through and actually ghosts it up and gets on top of it. And yeah, leaves. he's a big fear from like three or four of the streets there who are helping him. So, yeah, so makes sense. And then retired for the day. <laughs> hey, Craig, we didn't, I don't think we went deep enough into your race, did we? No, the race. Um, so, yeah, the prologue. What, what happened? I ended up 59th, I think, which is pretty normal for me, right? No, in the middle there. And um, and then got up Saturday morning and wrecked my, I noticed I'd wrecked my tire having too much fun on the GPS marking on the Friday. So I had the guys from uh, endurogear.com.au hook us up. I don't know if you know them guys, Greg, but good boys. I've heard of them before, mate. Passionate people. Yeah, yeah, so they hooked up the new Kenda, so I checked that on on Sunday morning and went up to the start line, and I just got talking to too many people, and um, and then when I got to the front of the queue, I looked behind me, and there's all bronze plates behind me, and I realised that, you know, I just didn't fight for my position, my start position or whatever, so anyway, got out onto the track and overtook, like, heaps of people that were waiting to go up the wall on, on the initial run, because they were all waiting for that right-hand line, so I got up there pretty good. The Rocky Mile was awesome. There were so many lines up there to get up past people. And, you know, I came off a few times, but I reckon I got up a few places going up there. And then got to the first silver section, I think. Bit of queuing involved. Like, it was a bit of single file helping each other sort of thing to get up there. And then after that, it was just survival. You know, it was just a, it was just a slog. There were so many people helping each other. The ruts were, the ruts were so deep, you know, and, well, flat batteries everywhere. I'd lost all my coolant so many times. I'd filled it up with my camera back and then filled it up with some Nico stuff that, that, that helped me along the way. And yeah, I got to the bottom of um, King Charlie, which for people who don't know is sort of the, oh, I would say it was the the hardest, like full noise hill of the day. Uh, it was last year as well, but this time it was just, it was just wet, you know, so got to the bottom of that about the seven hour mark and there was like three or four guys on there that, that tried heaps of times and couldn't get up. So that's when we called it a day and um, went back to the, well, we tried to get back to the finish actually from there and we got lost and we got fenced in and we didn't know where we were. So that's, that's the that's the GPS sweet kind of map master that I am. I couldn't get back to the to the, <laughs> the tents from the, from the halfway through the track. But, um, yeah, a couple of stories from the race. You know, there was a guy on the exit to um, a section that we called Howlins, and he had a dead uh, TPI battery on the top of the, on top of there. So he just went back down and helped. And if he didn't help one, you know, if he didn't help 30 guys up, he didn't help one. He was just pulling and pulling, pulling these bikes up. I don't even know his name. I, I think but, I know who it is, Craig. Sorry to interrupt there. Uh, was, it, was it a gas gas? I think it was a KDM. Oh, uh, okay. I, I, I'm thinking it might have been Neil Price. I've heard stories about Neil Price getting there. No, it wasn't, it wasn't Neil. Okay. Neil was out there earlier on in the race, but it wasn't him. This was a – yeah, I'm not sure. It was a silver rider. Right, oh, okay. In the silver section. But anyway, it helps heaps of people up – like heaps of people up there. And then got to the end of the race, and I and then I got to uh, meet him, and he was giving – uh, Eggy, a battery back, and I said, "Oh, what happened, Egg?" And he said, "Oh, he got helped up by him as well." And he goes, "Oh, you can have, you know, because Eggy runs two batteries in his bike, in, in his KTM 300, and yep. um, so he give him his second battery for the TPI, and and he and he put it in there, and that was dead too. <laughs> so oh, no. he's a good guy. He's a good guy, Eggy. You give him his last. You even give him his dead battery for the TPI, so he still didn't get COVID. Oh, bugger. <laughs> 
But well, we, we, need to, we need to have bikes with Kickstarters and a large capacitor on them, don't we, so we can get them going again. Oh, yeah, 100%. There was, there was bikes everywhere that, that were dead after that race. Yeah, look back back in the pits. So I had I I look. I don't know how many riders it would have been. It, it's probably got up to around ten riders, I'd imagine. Who managed to make their way back to their pits without the bike? And uh, the common theme was um, dead battery, just because it was such a difficult track, and their bikes had died, and they just couldn't kickstart them. So it's a bit of a shame that it happened, but yeah, it's is what it is, I guess. Yeah, and it's, the other the other story I got from there is. Um, this, the, probably the steepest downhill section of the race, which was the entrance into Howlins. It was like a pretty much a clay luge by the time we got there. There was like three of us pushing our bikes down there. And then by that time, boys were coming round on their second lap. So Ruben overtook us, obviously riding, and then Solar came past us riding his bike, you know. And then one of the guys behind me that was pushing his bike along with me was, you know, he was asking him, oh, how do you do it, man? You know, how can you ride down such a steep wet? It's ridiculous. And, um, and Solar's there sort of giving him a bit of tuition as he's riding past him. He's like, oh, yeah, just, you know, get your front wheel up out of the rut and blah, blah, blah. And he's, like, talking him through how to, how to do it while he's, you know, navigating this tricky section. And so Solar passed us. And then, so this guy behind me, um, I asked him, I said, oh, are you, are you on your second lap, buddy, or are you still on your first lap? And as he started to answer me, he completely lost his bike. And he done like two complete cartwheels as he passed me going down this hill, right? And and as he was doing these cartwheels, he goes, "I'm still on my first as he's disappearing <laughs> down, down this hill." I couldn't believe it. And he got up. I'm like, "That's as impressive as Solar riding down there." You were still answering me as you were cartwheeling down that hill, man. <laughs> as, as he's crawling his way back up this hill to get back to his bike. <laughs> Oh, uh, brutal, brutal. Back, back in the pits as riders are coming <laughs> over the line and in dribs and drabs. Um, look, the, the overwhelming thing, um, besides the abuse I was getting, was riders absolutely loved it. Even if they didn't finish, they were, just, they were broken spiritually and physically, but they just said, I'm, you know, we're coming back for more because they've got a score to settle. Um, yeah, and look, I've said it before, bronze turned to silver, silver turned to gold, and gold turned to platinum. Uh, absolutely no doubt about that. Definitely the hardest race I think we've seen in Australia to, to date. And prior to that, I mean, the guys were all saying Mount Morgan was the hardest. Well, it's been eclipsed now, so it's just, yeah, where, where do we go from here? I guess the weather will determine that. Oh, I was getting Mount Morgan. on the track all the way around there, like going people you no know, recognize me or whatever. And I was like, oh, you know, this oh, it's a tough day in it. And they were like, Well, you made it, Bernsey. I'm like, no, no, that was my that was my brother who drives around in the buggy wearing a dress all day. It was nothing to do with me, this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mount Morgan was a hard race because it was a long, just knockdown endurance race where this isn't such a long track, but that those conditions did make it a horrendous ride for the guys for that day. It, it is different, Scott, and that, that's a valid point. I've had people ask me about Matt Morgan. Is it going to be as hard as Kosciuszko? I, I tell them, look, I can't answer the question, is it as hard? It's it's different track, completely different. It's about 32, 30 or 32 Ks at Mount Morgan, totally different terrain. It's probably not as steep and not as technical, but it does grind you down. Uh, for Mount Morgan, I think you're going to have you're going to have to have better endurance. Yeah, you don't have the big uh, pointy straight uphill climbs like we do at Cozzy, but we do have some amazing uh, obstacles in there, which uh, uh, the local guys are in there clearing out right now. 
um, where they're just big boulders, big step ups, big cliff faces. You know, a ten foot cliff face. You just got to get your bike up. You know, so it, it's it's a different style of um, knockdown beat you to death endurance. It's not that hardcore slog your bike up a fig tree hill. It's uh, you know get your bike up a solid rock face style. So two totally different tracks, two two different um, you know parts of the country. So that they lead to different styles of riding. Off the back of what you were saying about Solar, if you wanted to know, he actually got the fastest lap in gold on that second lap. Um, I reckon if the race went for another another lap, he he, he would have got Perry. There was a, uh, a lot of difference in between their lap times. Um, so Perry might have been coming to the edge of his endurance there and Solar looked like he was just coming on. So, um, yeah, I... I Solar might be a wet rider specialist. Good to have someone like Solar there because everyone thinks you've got to be Chris Perry or Wade Abraham or Tim Coleman height, you know, to like do these races. And Solar just shows that you don't. He's like one of the shortest riders out there and he's just killing it. So you can't use that excuse. No, spot on, Craig. His technical ability and um, I've watched him ride up close several times. And he's got he's got a different eye um, to a lot of the riders. He takes on different lines to what a lot of the other riders do, and he's very very good at it. He, he rides super smooth, and he conserves a lot of energy as well. And I think that may, maybe he was like that before he, he did gold in Romania, um, but he's definitely improved since then. I, I guess riding four days over there in Romaniacs would definitely help you improve. Well, I stood in sections of the track where you watch guys like Perry and uh, Ibrahim and uh, Chadwick, and uh, they, they get stuck somewhere, and they just like manhandle the bike. They just pick the bike up and throw it up over whatever rock they're, they're stuck on, and um, you know they got bigger strength, bigger legs, so they can do that. Whereas um, Solly doesn't, so he's got to come into that section a bit smarter and realise I don't have the leg to put down if this bike doesn't balance, so I have to balance it through there and. Yeah, so two, yeah, evolution has proven there that he's going to learn how to ride a bike different. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I've just got. I'm just going to add someone else to the chat. Um, lady's name is Shay Bloom. Now she's the mother of Riley Bloom, who's a junior. Now Riley's num- bike number seventy four. He came in second position um, on the Saturday, and I'm just at her into the stream now. I can see Riley there. Oh. Hey, G'day. how you going? How you going, Bloom family? G'day. Good. Hey, how you going, Riley? Yeah, good. That's the way, mate. Have you, have you recovered after the race? Yeah, after my crash. We've had a couple of hospital visits, but... Oh, <laughs> uh, what happened? Uh, well, uh, you tell them. Yeah, and them tyres that are on the ground. Um, well, I, I got a bit of whiskey throttle across them and then hit them, uh, the logs Dying. at the end of it. The diagonal. Oh, th- so there's a video footage of this. I think he was the second bike out, and yeah. he, he got full noise over the, the flat tyres, held the bike wide open when he hit the grass, hit the first diagonal log, thrown over the handlebars and landed on his back on the second one. Yeah, that was that was what happened. <laughs> and still picked the bike up, got on it, and still finished the race, done three laps, was out there for two hours and nearly 40 minutes, and still come second. So... Um, no excuse, mate. We can't have it. We, we've got to. <laughs> we've got to find another excuse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I'm pretty happy with second. 
No, that's a good I, effort. I saw that crash, mate, and now I, I didn't see the lead up to it, so I didn't know what happened there, but you punched those logs incredibly hard. and Yeah, like Scotty said, you just flipped over and smashed yourself on the second lot. Is there any damage? Are you, like, have you broke any bones or anything like that? No, I don't know how I didn't. Oh, I didn't break my hip. But. No broken bones. He's got he's got a fair old hematoma on, um, sort of on his flank, and yeah, we've had we've had X-rays and ultrasounds, and got to have ultrasounds again in a couple of weeks' time just to uh, look, make sure it doesn't get any worse. But anyway, yeah, hopefully everything's all right there. It's uh, part of dirt bike riding every now and then, unfortunately, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a bit of a you know, uh, what what can I say? I was standing around the start line when it happened. I, I seen it and. The first thing I think is, oh, we've got a, a serious in injury here and I'm going to have to start going into track modifications and so on. <laughs> and he just jumps up, picks his bike up, and I'm like, I'm not even going to walk over to that. <laughs> that, that, that that's a non-incident there. He, he's off and he's going. So <laughs> uh, it was awesome, mate. Good, done. Sh- Good job. Shay, well done. Shay, as a mother, um, did you see it happen? I did, yes. How, how did you feel? Oh, I looked over and he was a bit hunched over and looked up and I gave him the thumbs up and he was like, oh. I was like, oh, maybe I should just go out and check. Anyway, I said, you good, mate? Did and he you? goes, yeah, righto. And later on he told me after the race that um, as I walked over, I was really wobbly <laughs> as I walked over. So I'd say he had a bit of a concussion too. Yeah, okay. <laughs> go with it. Let's, uh, you guys have come in late, so you might have missed the first part of our, our podcast here where we talked about another junior rider and the power of the mullet. And it, it, it seems to be quite um, uh, stand out in the, the these young lads. And uh, your young fellas there sporting quite a good mullet. He's probably he's probably going to lead in a mullet off. So um, <laughs> is, there, is there anything behind these mullets? Is it a bit of a trendset at the moment or is there power coming from them? Oh, well. Uh, when we had the first lockdown, when uh, was it when it finished? The first ever lockdown. I think when it finished, we went and got a haircut, and I decided to get a mullet, and it just went from there. And then I I did a mullets for mental health thing. It was called, and I raised what was it four thousand dollars? Nearly five thousand dollars. Oh yeah. wow! Well done, yeah. mate. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Awesome. That's huge. Well, that's yeah, that's a sensational effort, mate. Um, <laughs> so, how old are you? Uh, thirteen. Thirteen. And what type of bike were you riding? Uh, I was a KDM one two five XCW. Yeah. So, do you reckon you'll stay in Junior B, or will you go up to Junior A? Uh, what ages? What age? No, we, it's it's not about age. It's about ability. So, do you reckon you could ride the full track? Uh <laughs> so Dad's sponsoring him. He's ready to see him out there. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. Maybe in a, might have to do a bit more training and see how I go. Yeah, we, we, oh, we track things change around a little bit. It's um, it's as you know with the junior track, it's it's nowhere near as long. So the the full size track ends up being a bit of a mental game as well. Which we try and hold to riders who are 15 years. If a rider's got enough skill at 14 years and we think they've got the mental maturity to take it on, we, we will allow that. Uh, anyway, yeah. see how you go, see how you develop, because it does become a big mental challenge to get out there and yeah, and take on the senior track. There's no doubt about that. So, um, what area? What area do you come from? Corion. Uh, will you chase our um, series and meet us at another race? Uh yeah. I think we're going to go up to the. Goldfield Extreme one. Yeah. 
and maybe go to Tassie for Dad's birthday. <laughs> I don't know. Is that Dad's excuse? Yeah, might as well use it as an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> That's Dad's right. birthday present. Guess to take his son to insane ride. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? And what's the other one? The Hillston one. The Hillston one too, probably. Yeah, so Queensland would be a bit of a hike, especially for a family. But um, those two in uh, New South Wales and the one in Tassie. Well, Tassie's still uh, a bit of a travel, but it's good times to have when you're on the boat cruising down there with all the other riders. So, um, mm. yeah, mate, I'd be excited to see Adam and. Uh, Make yeah. sure you you get that mullet waving out the back of that helmet and smashing some hot laps. Yeah, yeah it, works, it works for Colgan and Locke. They keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, Riley, so, what, what, what did you think of the tracks, mate? Yeah, I reckon they were pretty awesome. At least it was a good thing that it wasn't on the Sunday. It wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't too wet on the Saturday, which was good. Nice yeah, and, you, only, you only had a bit of light drizzle really on the Saturday when the juniors ran, didn't you? It, uh, this range sort of came down a bit heavier in the Saturday afternoon, sort of after you raced mm-hmm. and really developed on the Sunday. Um, with, with the track you, and the, to, the time that you raced for, uh, are you happy with that? Do you think the track should be harder or easier? And uh, I think your race for two hours and 45 minutes, do you think that's long enough or too short? Uh, I was I was pretty sore after the crash, so it yeah. was it was good time, <laughs> good amount of time. But, yeah, it could maybe be a little longer. You could probably compare it to the other years that you've raced out there, like the first one and the second one. That's probably the well, longest it's, one. It's definitely stepped up a level. Yeah. So have you have you raced at our um, events out there before? Have you? Yeah, I did the last two. So that means you've done pretty much all of them. So the first one would have been just in the prologue paddock, yeah. and then the next one after that was out around the 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 southern pro- pro- end of the property. Yeah. And the round that you just done, they took out the the trackies took out one hill climb, so that you had to do a little bit of. Um, uh, fire trail to to avoid that hill climb. So next season, with the weather permitting, that hill climb will be back in. So yeah, I, I was, I'm looking at your laps time now. You're doing about 43 to to an hour each lap, um, 43 minutes to an hour. Um, I'd say next uh, next time you race there, you'll be doing an hour per lap. So yeah, it'll, it'll get right. a bit longer for you. Yeah. All right. All right. So. Do, do you consider yourself a hard enduro rider, or is it just because this is a local race and you're going to enter it anyways? Oh uh, well, the first year, I I didn't know pretty much anything about enduro. I just my mate told me that there was a race on, and I was like, oh yeah, might as well do it. And then yeah, that's where it sort of started. So, do you? Uh, do you follow any world class riders? Do you watch their YouTube channels? Do you, is it something that you're um, uh, absorbing into your life? Yeah, uh, yeah. Watch that Billy Bolt. He's pretty good. I've got a little bit of a theory when it comes to junior riders. I don't feel that any rider is actually born with a talent, but they uh, acquire a passion. And if it's a passion, you become very good at it. So, if this has become part of your life and you're becoming passionate in it. Um, you got a good future, mate. This this will go a long way for you. Yeah. Riley, have you heard of Chris Birch? Uh, no. All right, you should have. Chris Birch is a, is a New Zealand rider. Now, 
He's he's won Romaniacs. He won Romaniacs. I think it was in two thousand and twelve. He's he's done Romaniacs several times. He's also won Roof of Africa. And when Chris was a was a young fella, he used to study all the riders. Back back then there was there wasn't internet, so he he would get videotapes of riders and just watch them over and over and over and over to learn their techniques. Chris is an absolutely fantastic rider now. A proven, really extensive race history, and he also holds coaching courses, much like what Tim Coleman does. I'll get him out one year. We'll get him down to Coryong and uh, and get him to do some clinics down there. Uh, he's, I would say, probably the world's best coach. Chris really goes into um, how to do things and explains the best way how to do it and why you should do it a certain way. And I think juniors could really benefit off that. Um, so I'll try and get him out one day. Chris is in international experience. He's travelled all over the world doing this. I think he's second to none. Yeah, that'd be very cool. Yeah, it'd be epic, mate. So next time Mum wants the dishes done, just go and do them because these tyres are expensive and they uh, got to be paid for one way or another, mate. Yeah. Riley's lucky to have just got a local sponsor, which is good. Who's sponsoring yeah, you? Uh, Dad's, Dad's work. Nah, come on, plug the name. Mildred and Kosh. <laughs> what do they do? They do um, motorbike mechanics. They sell a few, like quad bikes and stuff like that. They do pumps, um, mechanics, fuel shop, uh, build sheds. They pretty much, yeah, do it all for a small local town, which is good. Yeah, nice one. Well done. <laughs> it's, it's good. If you can get a small company to help you out, that's fantastic. It goes a long way, doesn't it? If you're picking up sponsors, make sure you drop their name every chance you get. So don't be shy about it when you're on a podcast like this. Um, you know, you, you drop in the podcast. Oh, I'd like to thank my sponsors as many times as you can, mate. So don't be shy to say your name. Yeah. What's your name again, Riley? Oh, Mildred and Kosh. Mildred and Kosh, right, yeah. Mildred and Kosh and Corion. Million across and carry on. Beautiful. Guys, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for coming down to race and congratulations on second place again, Riley. You yeah, thank awesome. you. It's good to see that you've got no permanent damage from that crash because it was nasty. Listen to mum, listen to the doctors and ride safe, okay? Yep. Good on you. Thanks for joining thank us, Jay. Thanks for that. Congratulations. Thanks, guys. All right. Take care. Cheers. Thank you. See ya. See ya. Bye. There's a kid with a big future there. He, he absolutely nailed it, didn't he? What a little legend. Just sort of stumbled into hard enduro just because of where he's from and what he's uh, grown up with and now to find out that he can punch out lap times like that. No, nah, that's awesome. I love that. And he can hit the brick wall like that like he did on that crash. <laughs> oh, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't know. I thought his throttle got stuck open or something. I had no idea what, what – led to that but yeah the scene just bounced back up and keep going now to find out he's actually pulled second place three laps yeah it's just like That's as if awesome. another caller from the sideline or something you forgot the goggles and he's like looking up for them and just gone boosh <laughs> so where were we have we taken the piss out of enough people yet well look we're going to talk about more about race day i reckon and just the conditions Let's go through some of the results, who won and who didn't win. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Uh, look, we had a rider go down in one of the tracks, um, not the Howling, or was it yeah, the Howling? Yeah, it was the Howling. It was the Howling, was it? Okay, look, we, we, had, we had a rider go down in the Howling. Now, he wasn't in any pain, but he actually, he actually ruptured his ACL. Uh, he, he couldn't. He couldn't use his leg. It wasn't functioning. He said, "No, no, I'll walk out." But you know, it's, it's like a piece of play doh on the end of his hip there, so it wasn't working for him at all. 
or one of the riders stayed there with him. Uh, the sweeps also assisted there. We got the medics up to him. I just want to say a big thanks to Chris Wyman. Now, Chris actually stayed with the injured rider for an hour and a half. Uh, Chris wears knee braces. The other rider who injured his knee doesn't wear knee braces. So Chris actually took his knee brace off, fitted it to the rider just to secure his knee. And once the medics got there and the sweeps got there, they put him on a stretcher and dragged him down the howling. Now, the howling's really, really steep. It's nasty terrain. I'll post up some photos on um, on the grassroots page probably in, in the next couple of days or so. But I just want to say thanks to Chris Wyman for staying there. Uh, it, 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 I'll, I'll say it, it. It ruined his race, but I have given his time back, and Chris ended up coming in 27th position. So congratulations to Chris, and thanks very much for staying with that ride and assisting the medics for such a long time too. And that's all part of the spirit of the sport. It's good to see riders pitching in. Yeah, it's just a thankless effort, isn't it, to stay with a rider, injured rider mid-race. Um, oh, it's just a, the, the personality that these guys have. And, yeah, thanks, Chris. No, spot yeah. on, mate. And, um, look, just just another thing, I guess, is the, the riders where we've attracted, we, we had guys come from Cairns um, all over Queensland and as South Australia and also as far as Western Australia. Neil Price came over from Western Australia. He had all sort of difficulties getting over here. I think he did an injector or something in his van on the way over here as well. But, uh, yeah, it looks solid effort for everybody who turned up. It was such a, such a long way to travel. Yeah, I was with um, – so Neil came past us in the, in the, in the first silver section. Can't even remember the name. Stuck Tractor, I think maybe it was. And um, he's – He's obviously been a fig tree before then and come back down. And then he stayed there at the bottom of Stuck Tractor helping heaps of silver guys up with us. And um, I'm like, oh, Neil, sorry, you know, you go carry on. You come all this way. He's like, nah, nah, it's all right. I just wanted to come over and see what it was like. And I'm like, dude, you just drove like 4,000 Ks and you've done three Ks of the track and you just start helping people up. So, yeah, just what, what, a, what a legend of a guy he was and just add that. You know, the same smile on his face as he has on all of his podcast videos. Now he does them well, too, with the trials techniques and stuff. So, yeah, good on good on you, buddy. Yeah, if anybody doesn't know, just look up Neil Price on Facebook. Neil also, almost every Wednesday night, I think it's about 7 or 7.30, he goes live with his wife and does a pretty entertaining sort of uh, interviews there. And, and, uh, and you know, he's got different topics that he talks about. So it's normally hard enduro and trials. So, yeah, look, thanks to Neil for coming across. Also, Darren Rudley, and he's based in Western Australia. He also came across and, and raced, and Darren Rudley ended up coming ninth position, so in the top ten, so that's a solid effort. And Tom Woodhouse also from Tasmania. Tom, I think, might be only 18 years old. He came in seventh. When I got to what's called the big drop, Tom was oh, – so going by the results, if Adam was nearly to the top of Adam Giles was nearly – three quarters of the way up. Tom came into that section next, got absolutely hammered, and then I watched at least three or four bikes go past him. He Then he started helping the guys behind him that so they would help him up, and then he got back up to seventh. So that's a good effort. He was in there for a good – probably an hour trying to get that bike through that, that section. Yeah, didn't he say on his um, Facebook post he had a bit of a bike issue or something? Is he stuck I for didn't – I remember. I didn't get that much into his face to see if there was bike issues, but I know he, he hit that the, that hill climb at least oh, at least five times. I watched him go up it, and he, he just wanted to do, do it in a, in a one-run hit, but 
every time a bike went up, it was just blowing out. So eventually they just started dragging bikes up it. Um, so I watched Adam. He was, he was, he got himself through and then, uh, Wade come in after, uh, probably Hudson, Tom, Jason were in there. Then Wade come in and he actually, he had one run at it. Didn't like the line he had, um, took another line up that nobody had taken up over some rocks, got himself to a point where he could get himself through there, had a bit of a blow up because it was so slippery. He couldn't get traction with his boots in the mud. Um, had a little bit of a, a reset, took a breather, and then just muscled his bike up over this rock. Um, there's a couple of photos from uh, OK Photo and that, of him doing this, and and he got it up and then was off on his own again. And then after that, nobody got up there by himself. It, it was all teamwork after that. Yeah, well, a couple of other people as well. You talking about Gilesy then. he uh, I was talking to him before the race, so he had COVID, I think, the week before or something. So he wasn't operating at 100%, so he came in fifth. But the other one, and I reckon an even better result, was is Mrs. Benny Nielsen, who came in, I don't know why she came, but she finished a lap of silver, um, which is... You know, I, I don't know, you probably shouldn't say, oh, because she's a girl or whatever, but we all know there's a lot of manhandling bikes and lifting stuff and helping each other around that track. And to do a lap of that is just ridiculous. So, well done to her. That was a massive effort, fair play. Yeah, look, that, that's, that's Ebony Nielsen. She, she completed one lap uh, in five hours and 35 minutes, and that's, that's, no, laugh, that's no laughing matter to do silver. Um, that would have put her 26 in amongst the men. Yeah, there you go. And she, oh, look, I'll call it. She's probably the best hard enduro female rider in Australia. She's got extensive racing experience. She races up there in Queensland, but um, hard enduro and also uh, traditional enduro sprint races and pony expresses, etc. And she's always, always on the podium. Quite incredible. If I remember, she raced the following week, and I think she got second up in Queensland. If yeah. I remember right, didn't she um, pull? Uh the Mount Morgan race, she just smashed it apart, pulled it to pieces, and then dominated the girls up there too, didn't she? Um, yeah, she won up there, I think, as well. She won uh, up there. Yeah, the yeah. Ebony and Cheyenne Jones, I think, were going neck for neck up up at Mount Morgan. Mm. Yeah, yeah, she done well. Like we race a fair few hard enduro races together, and and we always say when I chat to her like that, if it's a faster track, you know, she'd always beat me, and if it's a more technical track. I'll always catch up with her and pass her in the tough sections or whatever. But she, she absolutely blitzed me on this one. She, you know, took off before and I didn't even see her. So they yeah, absolutely killed it on a really technical track, which um, she's, you know, not as good at as a fast stuff. So, yeah, yeah well then, unbelievable. Craig, do you think you're, were you riding well or you're off your game that weekend or, or was it just beyond you because of the, the wet track or, or not, not your normal conditions or? Well, how, how did you feel before the race? No, I felt fine. No, no excuses. Um, I felt like before and after the race, to be honest, with like the endurance and the and the fitness and that. Um, it was just by the time we got through the the first bottleneck and stuff, it, uh, and you know, I was at the back of the pack. The, the, the it was just a trench there, so it was just a, a slog all the way around. And I did. Look, not to use excuses, but I just stripped my bike down yesterday and I only had one rim lock in and I all the the inside of the moose had like five or six um rim lock patches on there. So the, the moose was spinning inside because I snapped the rim lock off. But I still thought it was going right doing the race. 
But no, it's you know, it was just a tough slog. No, no, not really many excuses, just just a tough race. I don't know, that sounded know. like a that sounded like a few excuses to me, Bernsey. Yeah. Oh, I, I chucked a few in. I chucked a few yeah. in. And blaming the rim lock and the tire. Yeah, and rim lock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't even be in the tire when, when I go going off uh, the guys in endurogear.com.au. But, but honestly, <laughs> it, there's absolutely no traction in the ground. How, how's this tire going to spin on the rim, mate? Like, come on, Bernsey. you got to be too better than that. What, yeah, somebody... Man. Somebody was giving me this big list of excuses um, on one part of the track, and I just turned to him and said, "Mate, you like a um, what I say? You, you like a, a, a password? You, you're coming up very weak." <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Rock, Rocky Mole, um, we, re- we reintroduced that into the race um, again this year. Have we spoken about the Rocky Mile? Because I saw a lot of riders struggling up there in a lot of the vision that's been posted up there. If you just type in Kosciuszko Killer on YouTube or in Facebook, it will bring up a whole lot of videos. But, um, <laughs> we actually, I think it was a 13 – actually, it was a young fella on the um, the 85 Husky. He, he rode up the Rocky Mile and did most of the tracks there a couple of weeks before the event because he's a local kid and they get out there and ride every now and then. So there's no excuses not to get up there. The young fella on an 85 can get up there. Or the adult should be able to get there as well. Did some old fella on a farm bike do it as well, Greg? Yeah. Farm bike. I've actually ridden the uh, the little, um, what have I got, CRF 250F. That chugs all the way up from top to bottom. I've rode a little KLX 230 up there. So if old fat guys like us can ride farm bikes up it, I'm sure these $17,000 hardcore enduro bikes can get up it. No, it's yeah. good. The Rocky Mile is a brilliant, brilliant start to a race because it does like spread the field out a bit, and you know no one's got any, any excuses with bottlenecks or or you know you couldn't get past people because it's got like you know three or four lanes wide in some places. And I had a great time going up there. Yeah, like like you say, there's plenty of opportunities to pass, which which is fantastic. It's what you need. Yeah. Sort the uh, sort the masses out. What about um, coming down from you got the Rocky Mile and you chuck a left, then you're heading back down. I can't remember the name of the track. Flying Snake. Flying Snake. How how was that? How'd that held up, um, Craig? No, that was good. Um, I rode that on the you know the GPS marking day, and I I thought, oh, that's this is you know this is pretty steep because it's all classes. Um, but on the on the race day, no, there's plenty of grips, plenty of grip there. A few loose rocks, but um, yeah, no problems. The the juniors, the junior bees ride down that as well on the um on the Saturday. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they did come down Rocky Mile the year before, and they done that with quite a lot of ease. So I had no issues with putting that. I think the snake doesn't have the same steepness. It's just a much narrower track, so they don't have multiple lines to pick. But noticing from the year before, multiple lines didn't become a thing on downhills. Everybody just finds a single track and takes it. Yeah. So yeah. Fine snake worked. I think it's going to be a regular route that we all leave in there for a while now. One thing I do want to tidy up is in the final instructions, I had everybody had to have their bikes up there and in their prologue order by um, 8.30 on race day. Everyone ignored it because no one reads the final instructions. Well, one of the issues there is we couldn't post up the prologue results from the previous day in, uh, in a paper version because of the rain. So people had difficulty accessing the results, uh, and even online there was limited mobile or phone reception there. But what we're going to do in the future is we're going to have markings on the ground. Um, I'm, I'm buying, a, I have bought a line marking machine, so we're going to have that very well organised in future. 
and yeah, I'll, I'll get the riders up there about seven thirty. Get the bikes in proper order. I want to sort out the starting grid a lot better. Yeah, it's sort of one of those ongoing issues at every race, mate. And I, I believe we can work out a a, a way of uh, making this sort of uniform at every race and get the guys and girls. We'll sort of start working on it for us and learning the, our system. So, yeah, um, you know, a track like Mount Morgan. Or what do we call it now? Iron Iron Stone. Einstein, um, Einstein Extreme. A track like that doesn't really have the big staging area that, that we do at Cozzy, so no. we'll sort of – it's a much longer, narrow staging area. But, yeah, I think we'll definitely work on a, um, a grid system on the ground where you'll be um, – you're going to have to uh, get your bike in there early, park it up, make sure it's got a stand, and then that way you can go off and, you know, do your setup, take your pain meds that you've got to take or your, your – I don't know, your electrolytes and do your stretches and you can do all that off to the side and your bikes are all lined up, ready to go. So we're not getting the officials tripping over each other trying to get the bikes in on some type of order. Thanks to Craig Harney and his crew up there at Mount Morgan. They've been out there every weekend for probably about the last eight or nine weeks uh, putting new tracks in, putting arrows up and, and designing the tracks up there for us. So thank you very much to Craig Harney and the rest of the crew up there for put in the time and effort in to make this happen. Um, it's awesome effort, guys, so I appreciate that. Uh, as far as the media side of things go, we've been a little bit slack on the videos coming through from Grassroots. Casey's been working full-time, Casey Lee from Pulse Media. She um, had to take off last weekend to go watch her, her daughter race in the Australian Championships at BMX. Absolutely. I was going to allude to that as well. Now, her, her daughter has actually got picked up some pretty sweet sponsorship and that includes um, plane tickets and whatnot uh, to get her around the country to race. So Casey, uh, pretty much the following weekend, has been flying her all over the country up to Brisbane, and her daughter there has done really, really well. Um, and look, Casey's off the boil at the moment because she's picked up COVID, so she's not feeling the best. So the media and the videos is just going to have to wait. And Tim Coleman raced around the property, so I'm still waiting for Tim to come out with his footage, and there's no race there. Tim's a busy man. He's been doing... Uh, some coaching clinics, and also I saw him last weekend. He's out there doing some uh, tricks and on his trolls bite. So it was good to have Tim out there as well. So videos will be released um, over the coming weeks as we all get time to to settle in. Yeah, um, good seeing just you know YouTube in cause you also killer and just watching people's video. And I was going to say earlier, like the Rocky Mile is in most like bronze class or a lot of bronze class. Um, videos because that's where their batteries went dead at the top of the Rocky Mile. Uh, that's how long they lasted. <laughs> so there's a, lot, a lot of footage that, of the Rocky Mile in there, that's for sure. That That's literally, um, yeah, one mile into the race. Yeah, good entertainment, that hill. Yeah, it definitely is, mate. What was I going to say? There was something else in my mind there. Um, yeah, it's gone. Was you going to say that Harden Dudo Addicts got a good that's that's what exactly yeah look aside from the videos that, that casey and tim are going to be putting out hard enduro addict uh craig your hard enduro addict on youtube and and facebook and also on instagram now you've oh, put it right right say again well that's right it is me i forgot sorry i thought no, yeah you, you interrupted me so if you want to <laughs> shut up for a minute i'll get through this um, <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've put out a three-part series and it's, it's fairly entertaining. I've watched it all and I'll start sharing those to Grassroots and Jira on the Facebook page as well. I've been sharing them to store on Instagram. Mate, uh, I, I find it really good. If you have a look on um, YouTube now, you can like 
watch you know 24 hour long videos of just darkness and it's the sound of rain and um, it's meant to put you to sleep quite quickly I find it's the same if you put um, one of Burns's videos on that that sound of his bike crying for help and um, you know the the footage of his face pretty much near the ground trying to get back on his bike it's it's great to put you to sleep I think there's actually a quote in there somewhere going I'm never doing this sport again or something uh, there's a bit of complaining but, I say yeah, I say that to myself on a daily basis with many things. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. If you if you're struggling to fall asleep, put one of Craig's videos on. It usually put you into nap land pretty quickly. Yeah, not not as quick as a guy driving around in a buggy wearing a dress, though. Come on, mate. <laughs> Come on, mate. Oh, hey, I know. Down already. If anybody yeah. hasn't seen Scott or Craig, they're both redheads, and this is what I have to deal with. <laughs> They had to make that dress. They had to make that Guernsey that long to put all the names on the back of it, mate. Uh, yeah, that's all the sponsors on the back of the jersey. <laughs> um, you know, pies are us. Um, where is my pie dot com? Sure, there's a few of them. Yeah, for the pepper pie right at the bottom because it always yeah. sits really low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it does. <laughs> what, what's your what's your takeaway from this event, Craig? I t- one good thing is that we need to ride more, you know, more wet events in Australia. Like as soon as I came down and I was talking to Jazzy about it, he said the same thing, you know, we never get to ride wet races hardly, not not that wet anyway, you know. And if you're going to ride races overseas like Romania, 100% you're going to have days like that. So if you're not used to it and you're just used to riding boulders, you're going to go there in a world of pain. So it's good to ride wet events like that and bring them on, I'd say. Bring on Tazi, which is always wet. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, let's, um, let's do more of it. Do, do you think the rain enhanced the event? In, in the words of Hard Enduro, yes. I'd have to, I'd have to agree, mate. Look, from an organiser's point of view, I've kind of I've been dreading having a really wet event because I just didn't know how things would go. And one of the things I have to take into account is can an ambulance get in? At Cozzy, that was never in doubt because the road leading into the property is always in fairly good condition. I was a bit dodgy by the end of Sunday. But that's one thing I do have to keep in mind is if someone gets seriously injured, can an ambulance get in? But um, I think it went really well. And I do think the rain really did enhance the event as far as I'm concerned. Even though it caused a lot of DNFs, I think it really tested every rider. And I, I think the riders overall really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, like you see on the on the videos and stuff. Obviously, you just I'm just swearing and cursing and hating life, and and just it was it nice to ride? No, was it horrific? Yes, it was terrible. It was horrible, but love it. It is hard enduro. That's what it's all about. That's what you want to do. You finish it. You have to finish it. And you're like that was that was the best thing ever. I mean, I don't know what it is with hard enduro and people just love pain. I mean, everyone who does it has the same idea, I think, and. Yeah, the harder the better. I mean, okay, the people didn't finish. I was gutted as well. I didn't finish, but you know, you can just gauge how far you got around, I guess, and what sections you did. But that is the game we play. It is the game we play, and I think it's a personal challenge. It's a physical and mental challenge. Uh, we had a whole heap of riders there who'd never raced before, like never ever entered any sort of race before. Uh, and what, one of the fellas who did come up and thank me after the end of the end of the event, I actually want to get in contact with. I've actually spoken with him, but I want to get him on the podcast to get his point of view. 
because he's never raced before and he absolutely loved it. And he, he's, he's hooked. He emailed me and said, I'm hooked. I'm coming back for more. I want to do the entire series. It's just, it's just, just amazing the, the, you know, the spirit that's out there for this sort of thing. Yeah, and that's the that's the bug that people get, and we all we all know that you know when we've been trail riding or whatever back in the day, we started doing the harder stuff. That is only, I don't know what you guys take of it, but I'd say there's be one in twenty guys out of every twenty guys you ride with that like doing that harder stuff, and yeah. that's why it's a niche market. But you know, you don't enter it if you don't want it to be hard, and that was a tough race. One thing I did want to cover is we had a whole lot of um, Kosciuszko killer T-shirts made up for the event, and guess what? They arrived today. So, yeah. uh, look, transport um, has just been diabolical. Supply of shirts and printing and that sort of thing has been very difficult for us lately. Um, so if anybody wants to grab a Kosciuszko killer T-shirt, we're going to put them up on enduro.gear.com.au. So they'll be up there probably. Uh, we'll get them up tomorrow or the next day, I'd imagine. So it would be good if people get it sorted. Should do uh, another one of T-shirts, Greg, saying, like, I finished a lap at Cosy Oscar Killer 2022, like, and I only deliver them to the people that actually finished a lap. <laughs> yeah, look, that, that that's a good idea. And, look, to be honest, it's the merch that keeps us going. The cost of the events to run is just absolutely horrific. And if people can support us by buying merch or support endurogear.com.au, that goes a big way to help keeping us running. And uh, But that will grow. Or not. That's a that's a uh, action in progress. Scotty, you've been quiet for a while, mate. You need to say something. Um, yeah, okay. Just looking at some photos while you guys are yapping away. I just seen a photo of B&B. I'd like to thank those guys for getting involved at a last-minute call-up to do those trophies for us. B&B uh, off-road uh, stepped up to make them trophies, and it was it was awesome. They were well beyond what we expected. B&B, I emailed them uh, just a couple of weeks short of the event and said, hey, guys, can you please sort these trophies out for us? And they, they absolutely nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Actually, I've got one photo on my phone, which I haven't posted yet, so I'm glad you brought that up. I'll post it up on the Grassroots Facebook page and also on the Instagram page because what they did was absolutely incredible, and particularly at short notice. And I thank B&B for their sponsorship and also their assistance there with the trophies. It was great to meet the entire crew. I've met, I've met most of the crew previously, but it was good to meet the entire crew there at Kosciuszko. They absolutely loved it, and it was great to see them. They're so passionate about the sport and helping us out, so that was fantastic. Yeah, and, um, yeah, family business. Everybody was there. They all got involved. They dropped everything to make them trophies. They came out heaps better than I expected. Um, the timber bases that we uh, got sourced for them, um, yeah, just made them look classy. So great. Thumbs up to those guys. Hope that they stay around and they're involved for a few more. Yeah, absolutely. And for people who don't know, we actually had to cancel um, Tenterfield Terror this year. For people who haven't been to Tenterfield Terror before, this property is absolutely amazing. Now, it's a full one-hour drive-in east of the town of Tenterfield, and the drive-in's just stunning. It's, it's just rolling green hills and farmland. It's it's, it's beautiful. And Craig has been up there with a crew of people preparing tracks and whatnot, but it's been hammered by rain. So the, the road into the property has been, I'm not going to say destroyed, but it's been badly affected, particularly between the, uh, the property owner's house and down to the campground. That has actually been washed away. There's been that much rain coming off the mountain 
the road is no no longer existing. I've spoken with council there. Uh, they said they're not going to repair the road at this point in time, and I don't blame them because El Nina is expected to hang around till uh, the beginning of winter. So there's no point going in there and then fixing that road because, like I say, it's a, it's, a, it's a long road to get in there and just going to waste taxpayers' money. So unfortunately, we can't access the property, so we've cancelled the Tenterfield Terror. And in place of that, we're going to run a race a, a race at Wattle Flat, which is just outside of Bathurst, called Goldfield Extreme. Now, Goldfield Extreme is held on 3,000 acres, and it is – I guess the best way I can describe it is the terrain is very, very similar to Kosciuszko, but double the size of the property. So that's going to be a really, really good race, I think, there. I think we can – we could, oh, yeah, replicate an international type of event there. It's it's great, Craig. Um, sorry, Scotty, you went up there and had a bit of a look around, didn't you? Yeah, so I dropped in there on the way back from Cozzy. Um, spent the night in Wattle Flat just to get the bearings of the track and the, the town and the relationship with Bathurst and so on. Um, awesome property, uh, great layout, like easy to get to from the Tar Road. Just a couple, probably two k maybe. From the tar road up to the gate to the property, um, Park Firm A setup will be right inside the gate of the property. Yep. Um, so the track gets rugged straight away as well. We'll be right into the hard stuff. Um, uh, you know, close to town, still going to get phone coverage, easy access road. You know, Wattle Flat isn't set up for a large, you know, gathering of people to come and stay and, and do all that stuff. But the town seem like they really want to get behind it and, and help with it. So we're going to definitely um, work more. I don't want to say too much about, you know, making promises when it comes to campground sets up and all that, but we have had a look at them and, and we're going to try and do our best to get as much set up. We know the costs are uh, sometimes up there when the guys travel to these events, so we don't want them burning up all their money on um, accommodation and so on. So we're going to try and help, our, help, these, uh, help you guys out as much as we can, but just have to stand by until we give – full details of what we're sorted out there. Um, but you're looking at about 25 minutes from Bathurst, which is, uh, everybody knows Bathurst, major town, more than enough hotels to, to set up for large groups of um, any type of uh, event. Um, so, yeah, the, I'll guarantee that this track will develop, but like the first round there, we'll probably um, you know, miss a lot of the property or, or just not have it mint perfect, but it, it will develop like everything else. You know, we, we spend more time there. We learn the property. We learn what we can get away with, um, and we build a bigger and better track for the, the riders. So I'll guarantee the first one is is still going to be a ripper off an event, and the property's going to, um, you know, bring what we need. But um, as years go by, I'm excited to see what we can do with this one, and hopefully we keep it in the calendar. Yeah, spot on, mate. Look, we've got a very passionate property owner up there. He wants to see us stay there long term. And I've uh, received a message via a Facebook page the other day um, from a local up there. And I ended up having a conversation with him the other day. We're on the phone for about an hour and a half having a chat. Uh, he, he said, Wattle Flat is absolutely buzzing uh, that we're going to have an, a, a national event up there. I'm really, really looking forward to it. It's The terrain up there, it can cater... For everything, it's got as steep as you like, or uh, or as easy as you like. It's it's going to be fantastic, and we will we will be able to sort out some sort of camping situation there. It may not be on the property, but it'll be very very close to the property. 
the current DA council don't allow camping on there, so uh, I may well apply, uh, submit a separate DA to allow camping. If not, we might be able to get a property very, very close to it anyway. So we don't want riders to get, you know, travel away over Australia and have to spend another five or $600 on accommodation. Having said that, there are plenty of riders happy to do that and support the local towns. So that's kind of 50-50 in that situation. Give, to give um, the listeners a little bit of a heads up, if you do know the area and you've ever driven from Bathurst into Wattle Flat, everybody will sort of know that last section of road that you drive up, it's tight and twisty and, and um, you, know, you get a bit of a view off to your left over the valley. That's the property. It's that hill climb that the road goes up. Um, a couple of K to your left is that mountain range, and that's what we'll be using. So if you've ever been up there and wondered what it'd be like to ride a dirt bike in there, you're about to find out. Property's been used for enduro events previously. It's actually been used for many, many years. Uh, but the, the track in there has been a traditional enduro track. So we'll, we'll use that as a basis and, and you know, just tr- slightly improve on that and, yeah, make it hard enduro. That's what we do. And the mon- the large number of people have put their hands up to help. Like, I think um, being that it is Bathurst and it's a bit of a central location, um, we've got guys coming out of the woodwork now wanting to help. Um, the guys from, what's that other podcast that maybe got three or four people listen to it? Dirt bike burrito, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Um, apparently, they want to get involved. I'm not sure what good they're going to do. Yeah, yeah look, mate, they're a good crew. Jer- Jeremy and the crew there at uh, Dirt Bike Burrito, they're big supporters of ours. We're big supporters of theirs. And uh, they're, they're fairly local to the area, so they want to come out and help us set that event up and help create the tracks as well. So that's unreal. There's a lot of local support for it. So it's going to be an absolute cracker. There's no doubt about that. And that is held in July 23 and 24. That's held on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because June, we're up in Queensland and then we come down to Wattle Flat the month after it. That's it. Kosciuszko is done and dusted June 25 and 26 for Einstein Extreme up at Mount Morgan. Then we've got the Goldfield Extreme at Wattle Flat, July 23 and 24. They're a little bit tight there. Then we've got the Hillstorm Challenge out at Hillston, which is August 13 and 14. And then we've got the, the insane ride in Tasmania, 24 and 25. Now, for any riders who um, who have already organised transport for the insane ride to Tasmania, you are guaranteed entry into the event. And that's going to be, obviously, the uh, the final event for the season to wrap it up. And we'll have a bit of an after party there. So things may well get, uh, not messy, but entertaining. Well, there's something get messy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's muddy. It's always wet down there. Um, there was something that you just alluded at there. People guaranteed entries. So, because the the sellout of the Kosciuszko race, a few people have panicked and and whatever else. You've announced that the top ten finishers of each category are guaranteed entries. Yeah, that's right. Top top ten of each class are guaranteed entries. So are juniors. Juniors also guaranteed entries. And um, I think we spoke about in the last podcast is some people have taken up the option of a season ticket for those guys who wanted to do the entire season. So they've committed to that. So they the guys who have taken up the season ticket, guys and girls, they don't need to register for every race. If you've taken up the season ticket, you're already in for every race anyway. So you don't need to panic and register for every race at all. Yeah, so awesome that um, the event did sell out. I know it put a bit of stress through the community that guys were going to miss out on races and, and, and so on, but um, our numbers do get bigger for the next couple of events too, I think. 
Yeah, they, they do, Scott. Um, our numbers for each – or number of riders for each uh, event, it's determined by how large your camping area is, how much uh, parking's available, and also the size of the track. Uh, we don't want 600 riders on a 13-kilometre track, but, hey, we can have 600 riders on a 40-kilometre you know, a, a track, for example. So we do adjust from event to event, that's for sure. Yeah, so I think what we're working at for – Mount Morgan, um, about 300, I think. Yeah, look at, look at a total of 300. We're up to about 250 registered riders so far. So there mm. are still some spots available, and it's still quite some time away. So I reckon we'll, we'll, we'll nail that 300 pretty pretty shortly. And look, it's going to be the middle of winter. Where else would you rather ride? Up in mid-Queensland, mid-North Queensland? It's going to be an awesome time, I reckon. 25 minutes from Rockhampton. It's perfect. Yeah, fly in the Rocky. Get your bike on Sean's truck. Fly up the Rocky. Carry nothing but your helmet and pretend like you're a pro. And I'm looking at a Mario Raymond jersey and a, and a, uh, a Wade Young jersey hanging up in front of me. Um, it just reminded me, Cody Webb was actually going to come out and race the Tenterfield Terror. Uh, as you probably know, he's come off doing uh, Enduro Cross and, uh, or Supercross and snapped his wrist and he's done a good job on it too. So that's Cody done and dusted for the year, I'd imagine. Unfortunately... Well done to you, blokes, for the obviously the weather changed so much on that weekend, right in Kosciuszko, and I'm sure between you two and Ryan, you would have been discussing whether to take all these sections out. You know, they would have been so easy just to delete silver and gold sections. So I think the tougher call was to leave them in, and everyone who finished. There's a few people that finished and said, you know, oh, I'm glad they didn't delete any of them sections because of the weather. But, you know, it would have been a margin call for you guys. So, you know, good good, um, good decision-making on that. It would have been tough. We've seen, you know, Mount Morgan, me and Scotty, we've seen it become easier with the rain. Yeah. And, you know, this one become harder. So you just never know. So, yeah, well done. Straight up from oh. – Definitely from the day I get there, so from Tuesday on, I don't sleep. Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, they're, they're restless nights. You're just thinking about all the jobs that you got to do, the track layout, have we got it going? Um, yeah, is it all linking up right? Are all the sections working out perfectly? Um, yeah, that's where Ryan, once again, he gets involved. He makes sure those gold sections all link up to the, the main track perfectly. Um, he's the designer of where the checkpoints go. He, he's really adamant that... Um, the checkpoints are put in certain places and to catch out anybody that would skip a, a gold section or a silver section. So, um, yeah, the, the nights are just absolutely restless and you lay there thinking about it for hours on end. Um, the Saturday night we had a, a big meeting, had a dinner and a big meeting, and we sat down and we drew, I drew up a list of all the jobs that had to be done the next morning. And off this, I'm actually going to put an apology out there. I'm going to apologise directly to Ruben Chadwick because he was the pole sitter and he took off in first place, and we had the track all set up. And I have to take the um, call on that. I left a bit of bunting across the track for the juniors. So when he got to the wall, the wall was bunted off. So he was confused of why isn't he riding up the wall. Um, quickly, um, the trackies got onto it, and by the second or third bike, it was moved, and they took it on. So Paul Rubin got around there in first place and was – um. Yeah, he, he was confused. So, oh, look, I look. I just got to take that one on on the chin. I I checked the whole track and just completely forgot to see that one bit of bunting. Um. So sorry, Ruben. Um. 
yeah, and the rest of the the week is spent just making sure your head's just ticking nonstop, making sure that you've never over missed anything. And yeah, that I suppose like uh, Greg says, once that flag drops at eleven o'clock on Sunday, we we just start breathing again because there's nothing we can do. Yeah, exactly. It, it, yeah, I know, yeah, at 9am on Sunday. Where do you get 11 o'clock from, Scotty? Oh, I don't know, mate. <laughs> 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 no, nah, well, look, yeah, I, I agree with you completely. And, look, leading up to the event, um, yeah, two hours sleep a night is about the maximum I get as well. It's just absolute stress factor. But, like you say, 9am on Sunday morning, you Every, all that stress completely disappears um, and you just sort of, I don't know, you just snap into race mode uh, because there's nothing else you can do. Uh, it's all out of our control by then, uh, except for Scotty, who's still got to manage those tracks and ensure everything's okay at checkpoints, etc. It's a, um, it's a, just a blur of radio comms after that. You've got all the sweeps out there watching stuff. They're relaying on what they're seeing and what's going on on track. Um, you know, I'm trying to move around and be – sort of where the race is coming through and watch what's happening. Um, really tough at the last one, being that I can't get on a, a dirt bike and move around, so I'm relying on a buggy and, and um, you know, it just, it just hindered me. So uh, I should be right by the next one. But, um, yeah, just trying to stay ahead of the race and watch what's going on and, and making calls on the fly. It's Sometimes it's a bit stressful because you might have a, a well-meaning um, sweep out there, but he just doesn't know exactly where he is and he's trying to – relay an issue that's happening and he's trying to tell us where he is and he's like i'm on the hill that's got all the trees and i'm like oh jeez so you got to be a bit of a mind reader with stuff like that and uh yeah jump on those problems before they arise but uh, i think it, it it went all right if it wasn't for the rain it would have just been a mint event but we dealt with it we pulled it off yeah, it ended, up, it ended up really good in the end. And a big shout-out to to everybody who put their hand up to sit on a checkpoint. It's no easy task. You're there for seven hours, uh, sometimes a little bit longer. So for all the volunteers who did man a checkpoint for us, thank you, thank you very much for that. I uh, couldn't do it without you guys. It and the medics. The medics and, came and the halfway medics. across yep. the state. They, yeah, they're in the freezing cold rain just sitting there waiting for an unfortunate event. Luckily... Um, there wasn't a lot. There was one knee injury, and I think that was about it. I think a guy cut his hand with a grinder. That was yeah. Wonderful. Before the race started, there was a fella who was uh, using an angle grinder, and it flicked back and uh, did a little gash in his thumb. But he he went off to the local uh, health center there and got a couple of stitches in, and, and he, he raced. Yeah, yeah. So he was trying to adjust in a chain or shorten a chain, and got a flick back on a grinder. So uh, yeah, guys, put your safety guards back on. Um, we. Yeah, we, we had, a, like, there was a young girl called Kate Hardman. She's travelled all the way down from um, Byron Bay um, just because she wanted to come and help out for no other reason. She she just wanted to come and be part of the event, um, made herself known to us and said, I'm here, what can I do? I'll take on any role you give me. So we delegated jobs to her all weekend. She was awesome. I'll, I'll just back up what, what you said there, mate. Kate contacted us via email a couple of months before the event and said, hey, guys, this is my experience. Now, Kate's got extensive experience in running uh, public events and she just wanted to get involved and help out. And I've spoken with Kate since uh, the event is finished and she wants to turn up to every event and help us out, which is absolutely absolutely fantastic. 
Well, thanks very much to all our sponsors who do help us out. Without the sponsors, none of this would be possible. We've got Australasian Dirt Bike Magazine. Keep an eye out for ne- an eye out for the next ADB mag that comes out, or maybe not the next, but maybe the one after that. But they've got uh, good coverage of the Kosciuszko killer in that. Well, was was there? They had Sorry? a reporter. Was was there on the track? So yeah, was yeah. was was there. That's right. Exactly right. Taking photos. He's written a story and. And whatnot. So, uh, yeah, was as he's the old fossil of ADB. Sorry, was, but that's true. B and B off road. Chad's off road now. Chad supplies a buggy to us at each and every event, which helped us get around and set up the events. Also, global racing. And, and, and Chad was there. Chad had his van set up. Yep. On the tools, he was doing guys' forks, setting them up, getting the bikes ready. So he he's there. He's on the front with us. So. Does big ups for Chad. I don't know if he'd be able to make it to every event and the, the long distant ones up the Queensland, but to have guys like have our sponsors actually show up to the events means a lot to well, means a lot to me because I, I just want to see these guys that are involved. Chad's based in Victoria, so I don't know if we're getting him out Morgan because he's flat out, absolutely flat out. So for him to take the time off in the weekend and get up there is is awesome of him to do that. Great to see him turn up. Global Racing or they also they also turned up to the event. Phil Whittle and his crew. They turned up there and had a lot of their gear on display, and they absolutely love the event too. It's great to see them turn up. Um, and Golden Tire, now Golden Tire Australia, they supply all the bunting. So every single bit of bunting you see at the events, Golden Tire Australia supply. Um, obviously, they supply tyres as well, which we retail in our store. Zach Speed, now Zach Speed do hydration packs. They're also based in Victoria, Australian, Australian-owned company, Dirt Bike Burrito. Um, we all know those guys. They're fairly well known. Also, Shirko Motorcycles Australia, they've come on again this year with us and uh, and have contributed towards sponsorship. So thanks very much for all of those guys. And also, Rack and Roll Motorcycle Carriers, uh, they've been with us since day dot, um, as have all the sponsors, actually. They've all stuck by us. So thanks very much for all the sponsors who helped make this happen. Really appreciate their assistance and passion. And it's free. S3, S3, yeah. Look, S3, we, we we do retail and import S3 products into our store, we, uh, which is EnduroGear.com.au. We also bring in Motothane's GPS mouse, also FM Racing. FM Racing are based over in Romania, so we also import and distribute FM Racing as well. We're growing, and I'm constantly talking with other, uh, other suppliers overseas and bringing more in hard Enduro gear. And there's some exciting news uh, happening there in the background with other people I'm working with overseas, particularly based in Turkey. So it's all happening in the background. We're growing and getting stronger. And for anybody who does support EnduroGear.com.au, what our I, I, I probably haven't spoken about this enough, and I, I kind of I, I don't know why. Um, our website sucks at the moment, basically, but that's currently being revamped. Um, but what our concept is is if you make a purchase through our website, and if you guys can support it, ultimately, we want to put the profits back into the races so we can supply all, not all the riders, but at least the podium finishes with decent amounts of prize money. We might have random prizes throughout, you know, best crash or best wipeout or whatever it happens to be as well. So if you can support us, it's a bit like a co-op, you know, invest in your own racing future and buy through endurogear.com.au. Yeah, it'd be great to set a goal to be able to throw down cash on the on the podium for each event, and I suppose um, comes down to the uh, the riders actually putting the money back into the sport 
um, you know, we're we're basically running this at a loss at the moment. So once it becomes a, a you know a situation where we can put cash up, it'd be great to do that for the riders. If we can help you out, um, let us know, and we'll we'll do our best. Burnsy, thanks for joining us, mate. No, no, no worries. I just want to finish up by saying um, it was a great weekend down there, and not just the racing, but how good was it to just to see everyone again after the, oh, you know, mate. the summer Ab- break or whatever? Absolutely. It was a nice, clean, well-run event, I think. The rain enhanced it, and like you say, it was just good to see everybody back together again. Yeah, good. Can't wait for the next one. Bring on uh, Ironstone Extreme. Same for me, mate. Can't wait to see everybody up at June. Einstein. All right. I think we I think we might sneak another podcast in before to tell everybody what's going on. But yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I reckon we will. I want to get I want to get a hold of a couple of the riders who actually raced in Kosciuszko. Um, aside from Burnsy, obviously, you know he, he's put a hard effort in there. But I want to speak to some of the riders who haven't raced before. And yeah, I'll try somebody. There's somebody a bit more exciting. Burnsy, look. <laughs> To, to, to Craig, look, in Craig's defence, he's just worked four days in a row and he's got six months off again. So he's, he's a little bit tired. Yeah, but Jesus, it was dull. Like, didn't he, This guy didn't even finish a lap and we got him on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I was scared of myself. What more do you want, Scotty? <laughs> All right, Bernsey, I'll catch up with your pie up at Einstein. See you there, mate. I can edit this to make it more entertaining. Now I'm going to try this and get it done in one shot. If you've managed to listen to the entire podcast, we thank you very much and we appreciate your support. Take care. See you all later. Cheers. See you. I got it. I got it. Why do you talk really slow? How can we talking so slow? It was like you had something wrong. Oh, it's just what I do. All right, boys. All right, I'm out all of everybody. Here. Thanks a lot. See you later. Goodbye. Catch you later. See you, mate. Bye. Cheers.